Welcome to the Online Business Spotlight, where we talk to real entrepreneurs who have quit their 9 to 5 and have started working on their own terms using the internet. Today I'm joined by someone who runs an interesting internet business. He actually is an artist online. His name is Justin Donaldson of, hey. of Justin Donaldson Art. So welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks, Joe. Thanks for having me. Yeah. How are you doing today? Uh, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. It's been a it's been a good day so far. I mean, it's the first thing in the morning. What was uh, what was your week like so far? Today's Tuesday, so you got anything interesting going on? Um, it, it's been a bit of a logistics time, um, but yeah. So I, I yesterday I launched a membership, um, and so far so good. So it's working out really well. I've yeah. been enjoying that. Um, so what do people get if they join the membership? The membership, yeah. Okay, so this is really specific, and so it's it's a bit weird. Uh, so I paint uh, in a, in a fashion that's very um, reminiscent of anime backgrounds. Mm. Uh, actually, I do a lot of landscapes, and they, I go in and out of that kind of style depending on uh, what it is I'm actually trying to do. But a lot of what I do is in that style, and um, so. I, I have a membership where once a month I release a video where I am deconstructing a classic anime background, say like a Studio Ghibli film, something from the background, something really nice, and then taking three exercises out of that um, to learn and process through with the members, and then creating a Lord of the Rings background using mm. those three ideas. And so the members sort of get taken through this journey of being able to um, do all of this. We talk about materials, talk about how to do it, uh, and just discuss ideas because you know this is something that if you're interested in it, basically no one no one talks about it. So I, it, it sort of it's a a place where I can be one of the only people who are talking about this, which is really good. And um, and then I have a, a Discord community sort of based around it where everyone can share their work and share what's you know what's going wrong, what's going right, and we can talk about how to solve a lot of those problems and so that's that's basically the membership mm. well i mean there's obviously some interest in it yeah yeah i think i have about a hundred people there so far um i really wanted to make this something that's relatively affordable uh, because a lot of my products are big learning to paint courses mm. or or the the paintings that i actually make are bigger and big and expensive and so I wanted something that's like a little more attainable for, for more people, which is you know another chance to build relationships and, and help people, who you know can't afford more. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And uh, what is it called for people that might be listening that might want to jump into it? Um, I struggled for a long time to try and find a name for this. Actually, I just ran it through my my Patreon account at the moment, but the name is the Anime Background Study Group. No, cool. there. Uh, we went. I, I went through so many different names, trying to get away from that name, but that's what stuck. Yeah, well, I mean, there's a lot of people interested in that, um, in anime in general, and a lot of people are going to be interested in, in painting it. Yeah, the the hard thing is that a lot of that tradition um, comes from Japan and Korea. Mm -hmm. And the only resources that I've ever found have been in Japanese and Korean, and I don't speak yeah. that. Yeah. 
And so it was really frustrating when I first began and I was interested in it. But, you know, that's, uh, every frustration is an opportunity. So um, these backgrounds, what is their process like in general? I mean, you're not necessarily creating actual backgrounds that will be used for anime, but do they, when they do the animation, do they paint it first and then kind of like put the anime on top of that? Or is there some sort of uh, layering going on or... Yeah, there's there's layering going on. So they they paint the backgrounds, and I think that you do layouts first. So someone someone works through layouts, which just means that they figure out what's going where and what's doing what, and then after layouts and the storyboarding, then it kind of splits. And so the people doing painting the backgrounds, they kind of already have an idea about what it is and what the scale is and everything like that, and. They just go ahead and do the actual painting itself, and then on the other side of it, they hand it off to the people doing the animations as the animators start working through it. But they're both working off of this kind of like single storyboard kind of idea, and then taking it further away and then pulling it back in together later on. Mm. Uh, but I mean, these days, it's you know a lot of it's just computer, yeah, computer driven. Yeah. But I have I have worked on some video games uh, a lot recently, and some some music videos. Stuff like that where, you know, there's a real appeal to try and go back to hand-painted stuff. Because it just has that nostalgic feel. Yeah, you can, um, one thing that I, that reminds me a little bit of is the concept of concept art. Yeah. uh, We were just watching The Mandalorian yesterday. And have you seen that show? Yeah. And uh, at the end credits, they show all the art. And I found that really cool because it's like I mean if you're producing a show of any kind making the art that shows what's going to happen is going to help the writers and it's going to help the actors and it's going to help everybody visualize what's going to happen beforehand I yeah. thought that was really cool and it is really it's really inspiring and in fact that's one of the one of the moments that I, I remember when I was like 13 or 14 was watching Lord of the Rings and then seeing all of the stuff in the back and in the, the little documentaries they make about making Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. and I think that was one of the first times I really realized that like, oh, pe- people are doing this for a living. Like, there's people who are painting, and just making up stuff for yeah. a living. And that's amazing. Yeah. Um, and then I got sucked into like that concept art world. Back then, it was, there was a website called conceptart.org, uh, which is gone now, but um, it was huge at the time. It was a really huge, and yeah, it's just it's a really interesting thing. Um, and so actually, I tried to to sort of go into that realm, that actual concept art realm, for a long time, but it, it, it turns out that it's really difficult uh, because it's of such a small group of people who do it, very small community, and more so, there's no entry level concept art job. You have to be absolutely amazing at what you do. And so a lot of people are like, oh, I want to do this job. And, and, and you know, they're, they're teenagers. <laughs> I want to do this job. And then, you know, they finish school or they finish college and they try applying for it. And it's, it's like, sorry. <laughs> this, is, this is for people who are, like, absolutely amazing at what they do. Yeah. And, and then there's, there's just a difference in discipline as well because it's not about making anything pretty whatsoever at all. Yeah. And everyone who is training is training to make things that look really good. Mm-hmm. 
And so there's this disconnect. It's really actually about creating ideas rather than creating pretty art. And yeah. then at the end, when everyone's wrapping up, they're like, yeah, let's make this a bit prettier so we can show it to people. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, at that stage that I was really pursuing that, I just wasn't ready for it. Yeah. I mean, it's also like anything in Hollywood, you know, you got to have the connections. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so Yeah, you can't succeed without knowing the right people or going to the right thing. Um, a lot of people just get um, taken out of out of college and trained up within certain certain big studios programs. And so if you don't if you're not in that, then you're probably not getting a job. Mm. <laughs> Yay! Thing, yeah. One thing a lot of people don't realize about uh, the old Star Wars movies is that they actually had scenes where you can see that. They've painted um, backgrounds over the um, over the actual scene. Yeah, it's amazing. There's um, it's called matte painting, M A T T E, matte painting, and they used to paint it on glass, mm -hmm. and so they it would literally they'd literally be using oil paints and stuff, and make it this really thin layer, but like everything is just it looks real, and then they'd place it in front of the camera, and then they place the camera in just the right spot. Yeah, that it it blends in with what's behind it and you don't notice you can't tell from examining and the people who are really good at that like those are still like amazing yeah. mind-boggling paintings yeah it's beautiful and it's it's really crazy like the scenes where um luke skywalker lands on um yoda's planet mm -hmm. um his his ship is there and almost the entire background is all painted but it looks seamless and it looks beautiful and you can't even you know, it, it still holds up today. Yeah. I think that's what's beautiful about the old Star Wars movies is just um, just the effects were so revolutionary and cool. And then we got the prequels. And, and, <laughs> the what? Uh, the, yeah, yeah, the prequels, and they were... I didn't know that, that the prequels ever actually happened. Yeah, I'm trying to forget about them. <laughs> and then you have the sequel series, and it's like... I feel like the sequel series is amazing as far as effects go, but... You know, it left some things to be desired, story-wise, and it's hard to live up to the original. Yeah, and my friend and I were just talking about how George Lucas went from being loved to hated, and then loved again <laughs> when they bought when Disney bought it. You know, people were like, "Everybody misses George Lucas now." So. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you have done a lot of things. You've gone out in and out to a lot of different realms but I was wondering if you could tell the audience where you where you got your start you know and what you know did you start working a job and then do this or did you just graduate college and then immediately start a business I graduated college and uh, and then moved to America basically right away I would met a woman and so I, I moved here with her and for that first year, I wasn't actually allowed to get a job because we were still sort of figuring out the visa situation and getting papers processed and everything like that. And so during that time, um, I decided that painting was something that I actually wanted to pursue and see if I could do it. And so I was, I was like, you know, I don't have, a, I don't have, I can't work, so I may as well paint. So I'm going to try and paint and see if I can get good enough. And yeah, it was that process that started things off, it was really hard. I mean, the whole time 
It's like, well, at the end of this year, I want to be making money with my painting, which didn't happen. <laughs> um, you know, when you first start out in a, in a really difficult craft, um, it takes a long time to do it. And the, the quality of the product is, is terrible. Mm. And so, you know, because it takes a long time, you're like, well, it has to, then it really should cost a significant amount of money because of the amount of time you put into it. Um, but time equals money is a terrible equation and uh, it, it's not helpful for anyone. But yeah, unfortunately, the, that just doesn't work out. So I, I tried doing a bunch of things. I was making portraits, trying to, um, doing a lot of bridal portraits trying to sort of get into that market, seeing, well, there's, people spend a lot of money on their, on their wedding and, you know, can I get in on that? And, um, you know, just paint women in pretty dresses like that. I mean, that sounds pretty good. Um, but again, I, I think that would be successful if it's in, if you know the right people. So unfortunately at that point, I didn't know the right people. Um, and then I tried to do some gallery work it's kind of all of this stuff together, just trying to see what works. And the, the gallery work, again, I'm, when you first enter that, that gallery world, you have to, they, if they take well, you and- for, for people that don't understand, how does the gallery system work? Like the, Essentially, they take 50% of, of the sale. Okay. Um, and a lot of the time, they also rent out the space to you. Hmm. So you're paying like one or $200 a month for you know this much wall space and then they take 50 percent of what comes out on the other side of things and so it's actually you know if you sell a 500 hundred dollar painting you're maybe making 150 dollars or 200 dollars mm -hmm. and so it's it's difficult and, and when you first start they want you to like essentially they want you to just like be sitting at home making like you know two or three paintings a day and then selling them for like 100 bucks each mm -hmm. um and it's just not feasible or realistic and that you burn out really, really quick. So I, I didn't do that for long and my stuff wasn't selling because I was asking too much for it. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, I, I, you know, that just wasn't a way that I could live or work. And by that time I'd started, started some jobs, just cafe jobs. And I met somebody who was about to start, he was a professional artist. He had, he had done a lot of, um, a lot of his own business and done very well for himself. And he was starting a new one he was starting a games company and wanted me to, to paint backgrounds for him. And so I jumped in on that and I was painting backgrounds. Uh, but if anyone's been in this sort of indie games realm for any period of time, you realize that the minute you're, you're in this small development team, you basically have to start doing everything. So, I was in that group for about two years, and by the end of it, I wasn't painting at all. I was just coding all day long. Okay, so you so you went in with the expectation that you were going to do some of the more art things that you obviously are interested in, yeah. and you ended up coding. Yep. That's how it worked out, and uh, to no one's fault, except for perhaps my own. Um, just when you're in that small group, you have to make the product succeed, and you do everything you can to do that, otherwise you don't get paid. So, um, yeah, I did that. And then eventually, you know, after a couple of years that that group folded and that was fine. And by that time I was just like, okay, I, I really want to paint. <laughs> I don't want to be doing this old uh, coding all day long. I, I want to paint. And so I started switching to a lot of more like 
that kind of entertainment painting, kind of like concept art, stuff like that, doing little commission jobs everywhere. I was using the websites like um, Upwork, which is a terrible site. But, um, you know, when, when you don't know what to do, you do things like that. Yeah. And so I started with that and a couple other websites. And eventually I was making a, a living doing that, painting book covers. On Upwork? On Upwork. Wow. Uh, and a couple other sites. There's hireanillustrator.com, um, which is a gallery site, which is much better. Um, and and um, Readsy, which is a, a community for independent authors. And so being in there, communicating about my work as uh, someone who can paint book covers. Uh, so I did a lot of fantasy and science fiction work like that for book covers. Um, and I was doing that. So that was, that was, it was really difficult because a lot of, a lot of burnout. You're always looking for your next job and your job only pays what it pays and no more. And, um, and then they take a percentage, right? Um, some of the websites do some of the websites just ask for money up front to, okay. to show you mm. and, uh, but yeah, so it, the, the numbers only just work out and only if you're living in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> um, which we, we kind of do, we do over here, yeah. but we're not like, you know, we're not the cheapest place to live. We're close. Well, in America, in, Ameri <laughs> in America, yeah, in America we are. Yeah. But as far as the rest of the world goes, I guess you could find some cheaper places. Yeah, <laughs> you could. Uh, but yeah, so that was that was really difficult, and I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do next. The my my art mentor who had started these businesses was always telling me you need to f make products. Um, service is a hard place to be. You want to make products mm. uh, because that's something that you can just continue to get paid for something that you do. And so I was continually looking for that, trying to figure things out. And um, I ended up being a part of a mentorship where I was being mentored by a couple of uh, professional artists. And that was the begin. that was a real turning point in what I was doing. Um, so one of the things that they, they shared was that up until that point, I had been trying to sort of cater to the markets that I see. And so looking around and seeing, okay, if I want to do fantasy art book covers, then I have to do things that look like fantasy art book covers and, and, and just that all around everywhere. Um, but there's a lot of things that are about it that I didn't like or didn't like to paint or wasn't any good at and um, that showed. And so this one, one turning point was they showed me a painting that I had done where compositionally there was a figure um, a, a woman in the middle of, of this painting, but I wasn't really particularly interested in painting her. I wanted to paint like the trees and the moss and the everything. And they're like, so look at this painting. It's really good, except for the focal point, which yeah. is the person, which you didn't care about whatsoever at all. And it shows. <laughs> um, and so, you know, through that, just realizing that, um, you know, there are things that I really like painting about and, and, there are, really, there are things that I'm much better at and my paintings will be much better if I just paint those things. Uh, not as a matter of like giving up, but just as a matter of like, well, what do I actually want to paint? What fulfills me? Why don't I do that? And so the minute that I did that, I started changing the way I was communicating about myself and about my work. And 
making something that people could actually um, relate to. Because when you're communicating, when you're doing any kind of art whatsoever at all, um, what you're really doing is you're communicating about emotions. And, um, you know, in, in a certain way, they say like, you know, do what you know, which is sort of, you know, I have something to say about, about certain feelings and certain things inside of paintings. And the minute that I start actually focusing in on that, I'm actually creating a product for people and something that people, other people can relate to and care about because I relate to it and care about it. And so that was a, a huge turning point and everything changed after I started doing that. You know, when I started, I had like 400 followers and uh, I think six months later I had 40,000 followers um, and then now I have 120,000 followers and so and next year you're gonna have 1.5 million uh, I'm, I'm guessing 250,000 might be a more <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> realistic goal but we'll see well, well you see. could just get like fake followers you know? I could do that but they are absolutely worthless so it's really <laughs> interesting people are like oh, Justin you have a lot of reach in a big account can you share my work and it's really interesting that even though like I have 120,000 followers, if I were to put your work up to my 120,000 followers, if your work looked like my work, they would be really interested and they, and they would snap you up. If your work was about different things, they wouldn't care. Yeah. They just don't respond. They literally do not respond. I can put up, and I have done this, put up other people's work that's just not communicating about the same things that mine is and the, these people don't care yeah which is you know what probably actually what you should expect about them and and so it was just really interesting seeing that and seeing that reach itself you know reach to people doesn't really matter it's kind of about context and what it is that they are actually interested in you know they're a completely different market which is what makes it hard for artists is that even though we do the same thing as each other, we're all talking about different things and our markets are completely different. And so through that, you kind of have to start to understand that communicating to a market about what the, about the things that the market cares about is, is what actually gets results. Yeah. So um, speaking of the market, I was going to say a quick message about our sponsor. The subscribe button. So if you're watching this and you want to, you know, if you want to see more episodes, I've got some more people lined up that are going to talk about interesting business ventures. And you can hit subscribe on one of these, whatever platform you're on, and you get reminded of future episodes. But uh, going back to what you were saying about followers, it kind of reminds me a little bit of this concept of cold email. Yeah. <laughs> I, had a, I had a friend who uh, came to me and said, hey, I got 100,000 people that, I don't know how we got their emails, but it's like, I got these emails and I need you to, can you like do something with them? I was like, well, if we put them on MailChimp, you'll get banned because, <laughs> you know, they're just going to like run it through their system and then people will report you and then the MailChimp will just ban your account. And then if we email them directly, nothing's going to happen. And we actually tried it. We had a service that we used that sent emails. 
and it was designed to send emails once every five minutes so that it kind of looked like a real person and it would send it to these people all day long and during working hours too but it was like nobody responded because it's like why would they no they have no reason to you know whereas if you can give them uh, if you approach a person or an audience with something that they're actually interested in like you were saying with a product then it's gonna have a much better response for people who are listening who don't know what a product is like i didn't know what a product was when i started my business and what he means by that is there's a difference between saying i'm just going to sell my work or my labor and you know attach um, a monetary value to that somehow versus i'm going to package together a product so the way that that works is like imagine a uh, pest control company and they could say well we would charge you per hour that the pest control guy is there you know that would be really confusing for the customer because they'd be like you know well how long was he here he was only here for like 10 minutes or maybe he was here for like three hours they don't really know what to think with that but if you say we have a complete you know get rid of all the cockroaches guarantee for 120 bucks you know then they will see that as a product purchase and that product you know includes profit and so that's the thing with all of his products is like he has to include profit in there otherwise his business cannot function yeah so yeah and so we talk about as well about um people just not responding if if you're talking about something different and it reminds me of something that seth godin talks about he says to sell a product or just to sell you need three things. You need value, you need trust, and you need attention. So if we're talking about just just straight up cold emailing somebody, mm-hmm. the only one of those things that you have, and only in a small amount, is attention. Like just only so much attention as to be present in their email box and yeah. for them to press delete. Um, but if you actually want to sell something, you need to be providing value that they care about and you need to be someone they trust. And so there's there's this idea of like, when you see something that you've never seen before, you don't trust it. Like you just don't have any inherent trust to it. And so one thing people say is that they need to see something at least three times before they like actually think about it and register it and start to process through, what is this? And, um, and But even that's really a small amount. Um, and so a lot of, of business and communication is to say, well, how can I get your trust? How can I build a product that is actually valuable? And how can I get your attention um, to, to look at it? And so for me, I have enough attention at this point uh, with what I do. And so then it's really working on the other two things that are like gaining your trust. And so to do that is to like, to be, um, consistent in the messages that I communicate. A lot of people who do art do art, but they're, they're really focused in on um, just value. So um, you mentioned like when you first just start with people, you it takes a couple of times to get their full trust. Yeah. And um, if you just send someone an email or call someone up, all they have is one aspect of that, which is 
attention. Possibly. Know? A little bit. Possibly. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I don't know about you, but I get probably a couple emails a week from Indian companies that are like, hey, we develop websites. We saw that you had a website registered on GoDaddy. And I admire their hustle, you know, going out and <laughs> finding everyone who registers a website. But wow, that's, yeah. Some but what, what they don't have is your trust. No, they don't. And I would, and, and also when you read these, it's like they're written in fonts from, they're written in like three different fonts, you know, and they, they, I don't know, like they just, and then they use an email like Hotmail or right. something. And it's just like, I don't see how anybody could trust that. Like if you guys would just go the extra mile and say, like, make a professional looking email, you know, then it would probably go a lot further. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So you, you, you went through your story a little bit and how you started and how it was, it kind of springed out of like just having extra time and trying out something while you couldn't work. And, um, I think you kind of got to where you are now. Yeah, basically. basically. Yeah. So, Going back to the beginning, is there anything that if you knew it now that you would tell yourself then that would have helped you? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a couple of things. The first is that um, is that when, when I first began, I was looking for a single way of doing things uh, in a number of different ways. First of all, like artistically, thinking that there is just one way to paint and let me go find it. And... Um, now, I, I eventually ended up going to a, a conference with a whole bunch of professional artists and watching them paint, and I realized that there's no single one way to paint. Um, it's just whatever works, which was absolutely freeing, and then at the same time, like, oh, well, am I supposed to do that all on my own then? Try and find it out how to make it work. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the same thing is true of the business side of things. There is, there is no single one way to make it work. And finding out what it is that you are actually uniquely qualified to create. And, and essentially, and, and that's, that sounds like an attack or it sounds like, oh no, I might not be uniquely qualified. But that's actually not the point. The point is, what, what can you speak to? What do you actually care about? And then it becomes freeing because then it's like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm here to communicate and speak about things that I care about. Oh, well, that sounds nice. <laughs> As opposed to like trying to find the single way or like what is working in the market at the moment? Like what do I see other artists doing? Yeah. And, you know, maybe I need to do that. Which really, I see that crippling a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and so them trying to, because here's the thing, the other thing with art in particular is that when you are doing something that doesn't come naturally to you. It takes you two, three, four, five times longer. And so when I was in, when I was trying to make book covers and the person would be like, well, I kind of want it to look like this. And you're like, well, why did you come to me? Because that's not what my stuff looks like, but I need the job, so I'm going to take it. And it's going to take two or three times longer than anything else that I could have done just by myself. And it's going to be way worse. Yeah. And so just kind of acknowledging that. If I had acknowledged that early on and knew it, and be able to work with it, I would, I would really have developed myself sooner 
and created more work and created more high quality work and been able to communicate with more people. Um, I'm not sure that I regret not doing it because I'm quite happy with where I am now. I don't want that to change. But yeah, I, I feel like that's something I needed people to tell me. And even more so than just people telling me because I, I know some people did tell me, but I didn't believe it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we are always... Uh, I don't. I think I had the most freedom in my life when I started listening to older people and people that were experienced. Uh, there was a moment in my life when I think when you're in your twenties, when you're early twenties, just starting out. <coughs> Sorry. I would qualify that with qualified older people who are experienced yeah not people who just have an opinion a lot of people have a lot of opinions and a lot of their opinions are terrible yeah and seniority does not equal wisdom yeah you gotta talk to people that are successful yeah people who and and there's a there is i think when you're younger there's a sense if i need someone who has done exactly what it is that i want to do and they're gonna know exactly um but i i would say that that's not always true there are people who are very good at uh, analyzing patterns and trends that go beyond the scope of exactly what it is that you do. And it's those people who can see patterns and trends who are really sort of gain wisdom, if you were to use that word, um, and who can, who, who can look past any one particular thing. Like, you know, there's a lot I can learn from you, even though you're not an artist um, and if I'm willing to listen to you, then I will learn a lot because I know that, that you're good at what you do and you're wise. And, um, but I don't have to look at people who are actually just within my, my little realm. And in fact, looking at people who are within my own little realm, uh, maybe this is particular of art, but that can actually be crippling. That can be a bad thing yeah. because there's a lot of emotion in art, as you can imagine. Yeah. And a lot of artists who, who come up with strange ideas. And, you know, I know within my little circles, people price their work way too low. And it's very easy to look at them and say, well, I need to be pricing like that. But if you look outside of that realm at people who are good at business, you realize, okay, the numbers don't add up. No. <laughs> For people who price their work. Uh, really low and the people who know business are pricing higher and they're making life work and then they're less stressed because their life is just working yeah um, and so looking outside at those older people who have who are successful um because i also know that just being successful doesn't mean that you're good at doing what you're doing either mm-hmm. a lot of people get to success through luck and mm-hmm. so just emulating based off of success is also not always a wise idea and there's different kinds of success too yeah you know there's some people that have maybe they've only ever done one job in their entire life but they are really they know how to do life you know they, they know right. how to make the most of their life you learn a lot from that and i i made a lot of mistakes in my early 20s with uh going into things that i mean you just everybody you just try out things and see what happens but i I went into a lot of different industries that were not exactly um, the most, weren't a really good fit for me at the time. And I also talked to a lot of people that I perceived to be as successful and like looking back at it, 
they were like toxic and yeah not a good person not good people to like get any advice from no you know <laughs> and i think that's uh, what you got to realize is you know a lot of these people listening who are just starting out you um you, you might have a lot of toxic people in your life. That, That's so true. You know. There's also people who are very successful in certain ways. Like, I mean, if we're talking about art, there's a lot of people who have a lot of followers mm-hmm. who are terrible business people and who are poor and are just struggling to make ends meet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you're, if you're just beginning in your journey and you look at them and you're like, oh, they're successful. Mm-hmm. Let me do what they do. So I go ahead and price my things like that. I, I, market things like they do and then maybe unfortunately end up like they do (laughs) yeah yeah i do the math all the time on these um there's in my realm which is marketing there's a lot of people that uh there's a lot of people out there that are just um they have no idea how to price things and they just um throw a number on there and um, if you're a marketing company one thing that others people might not realize is like you constantly get asked about other marketing company inquiries because there are other marketing companies that go out trying to ask people to be their client. And if you're currently managing that company, that company might ask you about that. And so I get to see a lot of different proposals and a lot of different people's stuff. And there's a lot of people out there that'll they'll send a proposal and um, they just... Um, they're obviously not going to take over our work for them because we already have the person's trust and all that. And But the way that they price things is like um, something like they just came up with a number and they were like, that sounds good. <laughs> and uh, you, you kind of, uh, you know, it, you, you can't do that because you can't, I think what a lot of people are coming from is they're coming from a job. And so they're coming from whatever their job is and whatever they made, and they're like, oh, cool, I can make double what I make for, you know, in, of my job. That's great. And um, they kind of forget about, like, taxes and expenses and all that mm-hmm. fun stuff, you know, that basically drives up the cost astronomically Yeah. to the point where, you know, yeah, we do charge a lot of money for things that would be cheaper for, you know, someone that just works for you or you to do maybe sometimes but um we have them packaged together as a product like you're saying and i i think that there's all that to say that there's there's just a lot of people out there that they don't know how to value their work yeah it's so hard and especially when when your identity is with your is is tied up in your work um and your identity is tied up in your product and so, I mean, it's one thing when it's tied up with your work, but when it's tied up with your product, then it, the value of your product becomes about the value of you. And we mostly have very messed up ideas about the value of me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or, um, yeah, that the divorce between uh, identity and product is actually really difficult. Yeah, and you might undervalue yourself, I think, or you might overvalue yourself, but I think it's more likely that you're undervaluing yourself at the beginning because you don't know, well, you don't know how to find people that actually value what you do. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's, that's the other thing is trying to find a market 
you know, if, if so, if, if I'm an artist and I'm looking around and the people, it's the people in my life that I'm trying to market my art to mm-hmm. at the beginning and, and they don't care. They don't need it. They don't need it. They don't want it. Yeah. They're not your market. They don't care. They're like, okay, like, uh, would $60 do? Yeah. And it's, <laughs> it's really, it is the life around you and that's the message that you're getting and it's, it's debilitating because then you're like, well, am I not good? En- am I not good enough? Did that's, that's what they value me as. And the answer is, yeah, that's what they value what you do as. But at the same time, you have to realize that that's not your market. They don't care about it. And so the, the real question is what I'm creating, who is it valuable to and how valuable is it to them? Mm-hmm. And that changes everything because the people to whom it's valuable, it is really valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so that's just a completely different question. And this really hit home for me when I, um, so I know one of the, I'll, I'll come back to that in just a second. I know the, one of the questions that you wanted to ask was about um, what kind of mistakes had I made? Um, and, and, the, and the answer is I, I was in this field of people who were all doing going to conventions like pop culture conventions, comic cons and selling their work there. And it's just not my market. And so I, uh, my mistake was to, to be like, okay, these people, they're all saying they're all very successful and they're all saying that this is what I should do. Um, but I had already tried and I had already failed, but I was like, okay, they're here to guide me this time though. So maybe I'll do it. Maybe it'll be successful. It wasn't successful. So what did, what did they tell you specifically to do? Oh, like sort of, you know, make sure that you, you have everything labeled well, make sure that everything's, you know, showing well, make sure you have something really big and eye catching at the back. Very good advice, but just not my market. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I actually, I put a couple of thousand dollars into it and I lost that money just because it wasn't into, my market. Into training? or it, into... into into the equipment that I would need, into, oh, okay. into stocking um, what I, what I had to go to these things, um, it just wasn't my market. It wasn't a place that the people who value my work go. It's all about peace and tranquility. It's kind of introverts paradise and Comic-Con is not an introverts paradise. It's not the place these people go. Well, that's where people go dressed up as, um, yeah, like superheroes and yeah. <laughs> Those also, people are not exactly introverts. No, I would. The people <laughs> that I would co- get coming up to me were their spouses <laughs> or their parents, mm-hmm. and and so. But one, so that was a that was a mistake that I made. Just because other people who were successful told me that it was something that would work for me, um, but I wasn't considering the fact that it it wasn't my market. It wasn't the people who care about my stuff. Uh, but the really interesting thing that I learned going to those things was that one person who has no idea about my art, I have no idea who they are, that just a random person would walk past and they'd look at my art and they'd be like, what the heck are you doing here? This is the worst stuff I've seen in my life. They wouldn't say it, but that'd be the look on their face. <laughs> and the next person who I didn't know, had never seen before in my life, would spot me from across the room and their shoulders would relax. And they'd just be like, ah, this is my home. This is like everything I've ever wanted in a piece of art. Like this is, this, this makes my day. And I realized that there's no telling the difference between these two people at all. 
and that my family could be in either one of these, but likely was more just like they just didn't care. Yeah. And and for the most part, my family doesn't care about my art. They don't. It doesn't mean anything to that. Mm-hmm. But it's not about how good it is. It's just about they don't care about the things that I care about. It's like my message isn't for them. And so when it, yeah, when it comes to to marketing, when it comes to realizing that the people around me don't value my work, but it's not that they don't value me. They just don't care about my product. Yeah, I had a... They just don't care about my product, and that's okay. Yeah, and I had a friend who ran into that where uh, he... I think he he's a wedding video guy, and um, he was going to do his cousin's wedding or something, and they set a price point or something. Uh-huh. And um, for whatever reason, the the cousin said, like, we can't, uh, we just can't afford that, or we're going to go with somebody cheaper or whatever. And I mean, that that's hard, you know, because one thing my dad said is like, if you can't make money off of your family, who can you make money off of, you know? Everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But in that situation, it, it was debilitating to him because he was like, why does no one value my work? But the truth is, it's like, they don't because they're just, I mean, they're just looking, for, it's kind of like me when I got married. I didn't want a freaking cinematic film of my, <laughs> you know, I just wanted, and and I haven't looked at my wedding pictures. Well, we have one that's hanging up, but mm-hmm. I, um, I'm the kind of person where I just wanted a recording of it and that was good enough. And I didn't want to pay the money that it costs to get that cinematic experience yeah but there are people that do that want that yeah yeah and so don't let those people convince you that you're not valuable because they're not saying that they're not they're not trying to devalue you they're just not your customer and they're also they're not they're not they're not privy to the kind of effects it has on you. Mm-hmm. I, it's just not, that's not what they're thinking about. They're not thinking about your relationship between your identity and your product and your service and what that means for you as a human being. Um, I remember when I first started, I was talking about how I was doing a lot of portraits and these are oil portraits. And so, and I remember someone being really excited about the, this is a friend of mine that went to church. She was really excited about the fact that I was doing oil portraits and she's like, Oh, I really want to get one for my son, of my son. I really want to, like, this is something I'm going to do. And then so it finally, you know, this is like talking about it for weeks. And then it finally comes around. And like, so how much would it be? Well, it's about $500. Mm-hmm. And she goes, oh, no, I can't do that. Like, no, that's, that's not, yeah. that's not worth it to me. I mean, it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But then it just, it can put you in a spiral or it can make you feel like it's not the right thing for the right it's not it's not right but yeah once again just not your market that's all that's all that means yeah and i i've come to terms with that i had to just because um just being able to be a business you you're gonna be too expensive for most people and that's yeah it's all good and another hard part about that is just saying no like so people will come to you for your service and you need them for their money. And when you're early on, you really it's really hard to, to tell somebody no. Yeah. Like like they'll come and say, well, well, can I have this thing? And you tell them how much it is and they're like freaked out. 
and then there's a place in your gut that says i need this sale and so like you half the price <laughs> or and, or they're asking you to do something totally random like we right outside saying. of your realm of what you actually do <laughs> that definitely happens and then you spend twice as much time working on something that's worth half as much and and then and then the problem is though that then you don't have enough money to be generous to people you don't have enough money to actually like make it good make it good give it the time and priority it needs but then the next time you need money the next sale that you're going for you need it even more and you're mm -hmm. more desperate and so I, one thing that i found really valuable is how i need to get myself in a spot where i don't need the sale mm -hmm. i don't need the sale and now suddenly i can actually be generous with with who i am in my time and everything that I can do, but I could also say no to things that actually aren't good ideas. Yeah. And people are used to that. I mean, there's people all the time that go to Walmart and they're like, hey, do you guys, uh, do you guys, well, I'm trying to think of something Walmart doesn't do, <laughs> nothing, but do you guys um, print out photo prints of high quality paintings? And they'll be like, no, we don't do that. Right, right. <laughs> And that's another thing you got to realize. It's like you as a, a company, you're not Walmart and you're not able to do that. So you just get used to the fact that you are going to be expensive and specialized at the beginning. You know? Yeah. Until the point where maybe you grow so big that you have all these products that are just cheap for people. But that's that takes a long time to get to that scale. Yeah. So. Cool. Well... You know, is there anything else you want to add before we close this out? Um, not particularly. Yeah. <laughs> At least I'm just drawing a blank right now. Yeah, I mean, you, you've shared a lot of really valuable things that I think, especially for people in anything related to creativity, not just artists. Like, well, there's a lot of different kinds of artists. Yeah. You know, and people that are doing things that, could be considered the creative space like we do web design um, I don't personally design them my wife does but I am kind of more on the technical but um, being in the creative space people thinking about something that involves their creativity I think your words have been very helpful Good. So, and uh, where can people connect with you and find you yeah, my website is justindonaldsonart.com. Um, my Instagram handle is justin underscore donaldson underscore art. And I think my Twitter handle is jdonaldson underscore art. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm in all those places. Well, go find him on one of those preferred platforms. And yeah. Yeah. Thanks for coming into the my studio. <laughs> Thanks for having me. We'll see you, buddy. I'll see you later. All right. Cool. Nice.